Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Gonna look at Neil Adams' Thrill Kill Artist Edition portfolio. Uh, before we do, wanna invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon to be notified when we post a new video. Uh, it'll give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect. You'll be the first one in line at your local comic shop, eBay, Amazon, wherever it is, if you're trying to track down whatever the subject of our video is. Also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who may not have found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's one of the major ways that we grow this channel. We're over 60,000 subscribers. So thank you all very much for helping to spread the Cartoonist Kayfabe word. So we lost Neil Adams recently, Ed. Uh, one of the true giants, the titans of comics history. And uh, we've been spending some time looking at some of his work and giving us a chance to talk about some of his contributions to comics. This was one of those uh, artifacts that I have in my collection, the Neil, Neil Adams um, reproduction of some of his original art. Seemed like this is the perfect time to dig into this. Um, a story called Thrill Kill. Jim Strenstrom, uh, author, not somebody I'm familiar with, but this appeared in Creepy Number 75, so Warren Publications. Great, uh, great issue, by the way, man. Uh, it has so many, like Wally Wood. Uh, it has, uh, uh, there's a Toth in there, I believe. There's like four or five strong-ass artist uh before you really get into it man like we don't often do this kind of thing but i actually like you know have people close to me who were in victims in uh mass shootings so i do want to put the word out that we're looking through a comic about a mass shooter and if that ain't your thing like like you got to skip this vid man because like just reading it in the times that we live in now like this was created at a time when there was like one clock tower shooter that was talked about for like a decade at up to that point and it's so, uh, it's just part of our everyday life at this point. So just putting that part out there, man. Because... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that um, because it, it wasn't kind of an upsetting story to revisit at this point. Uh, part of the reason, you know, I was trying to figure out why do they reprint this story in, in an artist edition. And one of the things that I came across when reading about it is Neil Adams known for his naturalism. And this story, that, that's something that's cited in this story. You're going to see a lot of people on the street. It's a thing that makes it work. Like, right. if, you, if you had a wonkiness to, to like, your, your character work, um, it, it wouldn't ring as true. And when you see people of variety, you know, no same face syndrome, these are very human people. It looks like he modeled every single character off of some real analog person. And then... It destroys them right with a bullet you know it's tough i like the context that this is in warren publications though yeah. you name some of those artists you know i think of warren as having that legacy of, of great artists many of them coming out of ec and uh to have neil adams in there you know i think of him as marvel and dc and superheroes and continuity and creator rights and all this stuff but he's one of the great comic book artists so yeah to have him in that context with these other great comic book artists pretty awesome that he's part of you know contributed to that that publisher as well probably one of the best aesthetic uh rick rich buckler thanks to wally wood uh strip, strips in that issue uh a lot of differences compared to what we're seeing here yes. and in the printed page don't have the issue on hand but you know we, we had access to that uh there are two voices speaking and uh one which will be a big reveal as as we move forward um or i guess it's right there but your church doesn't necessarily mean pastor or whatever. So uh, one character's voice would be in negative. So it would be a black caption with white lettering. 
and then one uh, would just would just stay the same, and it keeps that conversational flow. Uh, throughout throughout the and I'm going to put a couple of pages up on screen so everybody can see what we're talking about but it is interesting like one of the great things with artists seeing the original art is if there is some variation between what was printed and the also other big difference oh, yeah, ink washes yes so there's a lot of value that's added and it, it makes me wonder like how that was added if that was done on like photostats or a different layer or something because a lot of this stuff will have like uh, gray scales put in yeah, he's leaving uh, for this, the printed version. He's leaving his background open knowing that you're going to be able to hit it with something and add a little bit more. And uh, you know, Ed, I grew up with guns and hunting and stuff and I can tell you like as a hunting rifle, he's 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 looking stuff up. You know, like this these are reference that looks like a real gun. Yeah. Uh, beyond just the the subject matter of the visuals, um, the conversation is is a tough one. Uh, to, to, to read because um, this is that era where you know it used to be black and white if you're if you're a bad guy you, you're master, like you're just you're just bad man like you you're just a hundred percent bad and then uh, when psychology and psychiatry started to become uh, more more prevalent or whatever and you started to profile these guys and try to dig into their brains to try to figure out like what makes them tick you run the risk of trying to of like trying to create a sympathy or or uh you run the risk of people thinking that you're being sympathetic to to a murderer and 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 that's that's in the conversation here yeah in the uh printed piece too there's like a newspaper clip yeah. out here that kind of tells the story of this incident so um that's something that's that's major that's missing here i just actually i read this story ed mm -hmm. and the same day fresh air had a a guy on talking about mass shootings and, and things that people are trying to do to prevent that and almost approaching it like uh, profiling serial killers like the FBI was profiling serial killers in the 70s so kind of interesting to read this story and then hear I don't know the most contemporary social science on the subject matter and they kind of, they line up in an interesting way because this guy is not presented as a psycho exactly um, which I can't imagine how this story is received in the 70s I mean right now like I, I hate to even sort of call attention to it, but but that's sort of what we're doing. Like you know, we're going through this thing. Uh, there, there's there's stuff that feel like Frederick Wortham was right type type dialogue here is 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 how I'll put it. Like so the things that Frederick Wortham said about like people figuring shit out or getting bad tips, like like I feel like that's in here. You know, you see guys jackhammering. Yeah, they talk about that. They talk about this from like. It's a well-planned thing that he's doing. This is not somebody snapped and, and went crazy. This is somebody who planned a terrible, uh, terrible deed. Um, but I think, looking I think at that's New Adams, by the way. Uh, that's interesting. You're going to see lots of this kind of tape. I think a lot of this lettering is pasted up, and you can see that. You know, you see these little kind of remnants of that, you know, glues and adhesives that are on here. It's very interesting. Uh, Again, with the artist editions, one of the things that I find interesting, and then like an address in Switzerland. I don't know if he's selling some artwork there or, or what's going or on. That's the guy that owns it, uh, that owned it or whatever. And then he'll do these kind of dashed, you know, buildings that are almost suggestive more than, you know, f photo accurate or anything. I'll tell like you that. this. I lined up a ruler because I was eyeballing this and I was going, those lines don't seem straight. I put a ruler on this edge and it came out about an eighth of an inch off on the top line. Same thing with these two parallel lines. So this is kayfabe. Oh, that's cool. If, if you were drawing that correctly, th both of those lines should be that direction. Um, mm, 
three three sixteenths of an inch, an eighth of an inch, something like that, and uh, pulled out a little bit for you know aesthetic choice, as far as I can tell. I mean, that's not going to be a mistake that he makes. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's absolving himself of a tangent, probably. Yes. Doing notches, that's that's tough, and and you just see people crowding because because they. They don't make the connection that it's a gunshot. You know, these dudes are jackhammering. So, so now people are crowding around. Break characters in perspective. Yeah, it's interesting to see that naturalism applied to. This isn't a superhero comic. It's people on the street, and and you do see that wide range of what that means: young, old, men, women, workers, just a variety of that. And the little bits of like her groceries on the ground. That kind of detail is really disturbing to me. Totally, the same pose mm -hmm. with the with the with the legs, and then this one. It's it's like well, you know, you know what it is now, man. Yeah, and you can see the difference of people coming in until the second victim happens, and right. now we're all spreading. Yeah, yeah, and just a utter concern, and just just scattering in all different directions. It's all. You know, it's every economic stratum of person. You know, you got your salary man, you got regular folk, you got kids, you got, you know, women shopping. One of the things that stands out to me, and I wonder about how, what kind of research he did for this, but like the the perspective on the street with buildings and stuff, it feels totally different than, I'm going to say again, superhero comics, but really any of the comics that I was would have been reading or, or getting hold of from say the 70s and 80s, I would have been reading them later, but you know what a superhero comic looks like. All the Marvel stuff set in New York City, but none of it looks quite like this. And I wonder how much he's like on the street researching point of view, taking photos, you know, creating his own morgue files for this story. You're right, man, because this is like a high point of view. It's not necessarily killer point of view, but it's a neighbor of the of the killer and and you're sort of showing you everything. And then it is man on the street perspective. Yeah, ground level, right? And, and then that's sort of ground level in a way, like like looking up at the guy doing the the dirt. Yeah, and look at white media behind him. Wonder what was removed there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of marks on the on these originals too. Like, I think it's a really good scan job mm -hmm. because you're seeing so much stuff. Like even the lettering, you know, this is new lettering on top, and because of the way it's trimmed, you can see some of the lettering underneath it. Right. So it's, clearly it was lettered once and then they changed something. Yeah, yeah, interesting, man. Or maybe another pass at the dialogue or something. Yeah, it makes you wonder because it's a pretty disturbing story as is. Did this come in and they were like, you've got to temper this a little bit? Or, or amp it push up. it further, yeah, right? Yeah, or amp it up, man. And the storytelling of woman in the foreground and now guy who was in the background, it's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Alan Moore type transition visually in a way uh, it's a boy's origin story it's the reverse Marvel gangs from the 80s where it's like we've got a hippie we have an african-american middle-aged lady I don't know a young woman an old man you know it's like this real cross-section right you know almost a comment maybe on New York not drawing the the muzzle and just like allowing that to be white that's that's a smart that's a smart choice Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comics that Ed Piscor and I make. 
the best way to support the channel is to pick up some of our comics. So right now, available in comic shops everywhere is Ed Piscor's Red Room. The Antisocial Network collects season one of Red Room, four issues, plus a lot of great bonus material. Trigger Warnings, the second season of Red Room, is in stores everywhere now. The first two issues, possibly three by the time you see this video, are out there wherever comics are sold. Banned in 23 countries and 11 comic shops, but they will track these down for you if you ask them, if they don't already have them hidden behind the, can behind the counter in a brown paper bag. Also available from Ed Piscor is WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker, A History of Computer Hacking, X-Men Grand Design, three oversized treasury size editions of the X-Men story, kind of a biography of one of Marvel's best-selling characters, the X-Men, and what started the entire Grand Design tradition, and Hip Hop Family Tree, a non-fiction historical account of hip hop, available in four oversized volumes and two beautiful boxed sets. My latest comics available in comic shops everywhere, Hulk Grand Design Monster with some beautiful variant covers, Peach Momoko, Ed Piscor, Marcos Martin, and now Hulk Grand Design Madness, again with some beautiful variant covers by Jeff Darrow, Ed McGinnis, and of course my classic version, telling 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, written, drawn, colored, lettered by me. Also available, The Plain Janes with Cecil Castellucci, the first young adult graphic novel and available from Image Comics, Street Angel, and several oversized hardcover collections, again, like the treasury size. These are available wherever you buy comics and books. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. Flashback panels. This is the little boy as an altar boy. The story that they're telling is about um, that he never fit in. Like, he always needed a group around him. He never felt like he could be himself or whatever. And so... Uh, that's what he's doing now is, is preparing to leave the earth and taking some people with him so they can all go on to the afterlife together. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the big reveal. That's right. the big reveal at the end. Uh, and one of the guys in conversation is the, the priest, pastor, choose your religion, whatever. And, and he leaves the church uh, after after this stuff because he, he he is sympathetic to this guy. It's kind of like the conversation to me because I'm an 80s kid is like episode of Geraldo or, or Donahue where, where there would be like the host and then there would be the the guy who would be sympathetic to this person or that person and, and it would be that kind of dialogue maybe it was like a this is like a radio show or something because you I, I feel like when you read it you get the impression that it's a conversation for public consumption it's not a private conversation so yeah, that sounds right over airwaves in some way I wonder if uh, Neil Adams talked about this story whenever they did the artist edition. It seems like that would have been a time to maybe revisit it and talk about some of his ideas as an artist doing this, like what he's trying to achieve with different characters that he's casting. Yeah. I would be curious because it does feel like a different sensibility than, say, a Batman issue that we look at. The, the texture on this shirt is fantastic. It really is. You know, like he, he, he chose a, a pretty hard pattern to, to sort of get across, man. He didn't have to do that. You mentioned like the muzzle blast before and you see it again, uh, you know, now with the police coming in and returning fire and a lot of whiteout, like creating that muzzle blast, something that he seems to be very conscious of how to, uh, how to manipulate that. This is another panel that reminds me of some of the Frank Miller Daredevils, like I, some I, of the background I, I, details. I was thinking of Mazzy Kelly. Oh yeah, totally, I, yes. I, like like in, in uh, year one, um, the, the Stark Blacks, uh, one thing that I always love and always try to figure out, but I, th I really think you need you need uh, 
like an accurate photo to, to, to really figure it out is like you have the planes of the figure and this is a super hard arm to draw mm -hmm. where the elbow is foreshortened in front of you. You almost never see that because it's just easier to draw it the other way. Cause like break it down to somebody who, who doesn't really draw, look at that shape that you're drawing. And the only way that you could sell it is by the planes. So this part of the arm is facing the muzzle flash. This the back part of the arm is a weight so you have to light it accurately for that to work if he didn't light this right it would be the world's first thalidomide baby cop <laughs> right you know what i'm saying yes worth noting too creepy uh traditionally a horror magazine which is where this story is like as a horror story you know like it's a really different uh approach to horror yeah like like and 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 it's also um it's like the stephen king thing like we live in modern times and maybe maybe uh vampires worked for people in the late 1800s and stuff but like what's a modern horror and th once again this is like a time when there was like one clock tower weirdo who did some shit and it really resonated for 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 decades really like it's referenced in movies and songs and stuff like that uh you know little did these guys know that this shit would just be you know, yeah, right. every, every couple of weeks or something. Yeah, that'd be the other thing that I'd be curious to read an interview with him reflecting on a story like this 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, like, like once again, like Stephen King, right? Like, like, there was, I think it's his third novel called Rage. Like, he never allowed it to continue in print because it's, it's a, it's a Columbine-ish kind of issue where, where a... Uh, a school is taken over by a kidnapper. There's Stockholm syndrome happening. So like, we're like at the end, the kids are down with them and stuff. You know, super brutal. Again, you see a lot of the markups on this art, bits of tape here and there, like whole border taped off. Oh yeah, that's interesting. At first, I thought it was remnants of just uh, you know Scotch tape adhesive, but you're right. It's like correction tape. This is kind of a, an interesting piece, I think, because in a way, this is cartoonish. Like, that's a cartoon language, right? Yeah. Of somebody being knocked out from their hat, in this case, shot. But it, that hat feels like a uh, cartoon language. This is one of those words and pictures panels that's, like, super powerful, too. Um, talking about how he always needed to be with people, like, surrogate fathers, all that stuff. And the interviewer, but he was on the roof alone. The scope must have helped a great deal. It brought the people below close up to him. Mm -hmm. That's a brutal... That This is like one of the most unforgettable pieces of uh, of the whole story for me. That's another one of those page layouts I often talk about how you do something center. And I mean, that's it's the crosshairs dead center. There's a circle around it and everything. The, the other bit is Suicide by a Cop, which, you know, got its name in like the 90s. A lot of body language in those, too. Um, reminds me of... Uh, What's the Eisner story where he's doing Shakespeare on the roof yeah. and he's kind of moving around and stuff in a weird way? Like I see some parallels there. Uh, the other thing that that's interesting for this story in time when it was done, I, I believe this is around 1975 or mid, mid or early 70s, is uh, the religious connection, you know, with a horror story. Because like I went through a phase of watching like all the horror movie trailers, you know, like the 42nd Street Forever kind of compilations, and it seemed like so much of that stuff was was uh, would have religious undertones or or be the main subject matter and probably some of that comes out of the exorcist but it feels like it was something that was floating around religion and horror as a pop culture at the time you can point to a lot of that stuff man it's exorcist it's the omen yes. it's uh wicker man even like it's a cult horror full core um 
the chicanery of all that stuff absolutely is 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 a is a part of that uh, i would i would make the argument that this is like the most effective horror story of, of all all the warrants because like what is the other stuff mummies and shit like i don't give a fuck about like i'm not really nervous about that but this like like bringing something into real world uh just because there's not a ghoul in it right you know does not make it just this ain't exactly a crime comic no exactly and the other piece, you know, I, I mentioned, like, I wonder what he would have said whenever this was being reprinted, if there were some interviews about it, is that, like, for a horror story to hold up 20, 30 years later is a remarkable achievement. Mm-hmm. You know, as you say, a lot of that creepy Warren stuff, it's kind of silly. It may look beautiful, but it's kind of silly. It's not it's not sticking with you. This was hard to read uh, all these years later. And uh, the back of each of these pages has the copyright piece and a note that it's not the original art it feels really good i think yeah. this was the first portfolio style that idw artists editions released um, we looked previously at the michael golden gi joe yearbook yeah that was a similar kind of thing and it just it they're amazing reproductions these really feel like a heavy paper i mean they blow my mind like whenever they first started making artist editions you know it's a godsend this is almost the next step in a weird way. Like this is even closer sort of to your original art. Thinking about it, like uh, with, with this level of uh, paste up and correction and stuff, there's no way this could have, um, he could have allowed this to, to be washed on the board. You can't, you can't wash over uh, right. the whiteouts. Uh, this correction tape is, is a thing. So like, and he's using this white as an effect. So just his knowledge of illustration and what's possible in black and white line reproduction is part of that choice. That is a question I have. Uh, there are there are, there are certainly people checking this video out who know the answer to how uh, the washes were done. I don't think ven- vellum is porous enough uh, to to handle ink in that way with like that's watered down. That feels that feels impossible. Um, so there there had to be some method. Maybe just uh, eleven by seventeen piece of tra- uh, bond paper uh, with with a wash could, could could do the trick and then you run a sc- screen that way. I don't know. It also makes me wonder like how they do the reverse. Uh-huh. Is that something where like you shoot the reverse and then you've got to cut that out and paste it? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, just those old those old techniques completely arcane to me, man. I like that he that, that he again worked for Warren and that we've talked about he changed some of the coloring that was being done at Marvel and DC, but he's also doing black and white work. Neil Adams, when I say he, uh, you know, so pretty interesting legacy going on at the same time. There's this tandem that uh, just just goes through like Neil Adams and Bernie Wrightson were there together about the same age in, in a way. Uh, and they're at Warren. They're at DC at the same time. And I think there was a little bit of um, influence between the two uh, in terms of like the young upstarts, the people who are going to show and prove who are new to the game, really putting some real cards on the table. That changing, makes total sense, Changing right? the aesthetics. Absolutely. Because what I'm, the reason I bring that up is because Neil Adams was really, like his black and white stuff was really, really going for it. I wish he would have allowed for a license of, of his creepy, eerie stuff to put up like through Dark Horse or something because... Uh, you'd see any of that stuff and you could just see that the dude it's portfolio pieces to go off and work for dc like he tried to get in and they gave him fucking bob hope comics and and he had to go do archie comics for a minute you know that would be an amazing collection yes 
I'm I'm good if you are. Ed. Oh yeah, man! Like always inspired uh, after seeing uh, artwork like this, even on such like a pretty harrowing uh, uh, subject matter, man. But excellent work. Okay, Fibers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness. My retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. I write, draw, color, letter, do everything myself on it. That is available wherever comic books are sold while supplies last. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue one, two, potentially issue number three, are on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Uh, banned in 28 countries, banned in 10 comic shops. But if you want these comics, you want them uh, on paper, go to my link tree in the description below. You can grab them from Fantagraphics Direct. Uh, you can also read these comics at my Patreon. Uh, put up new strips every Tuesday. More than 200 pages are up there right now. It'll cost you three bucks. Patreon.com slash Ed What else do we have out there, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Make more comics.